Welcome to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com, dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Serving leaders, managers, and people who will be, helping you reach excellence in your work and achieve your personal goals at the same time. Sign up for the free course at clearandopen.com. It's not that there isn't necessarily information in there. There might be. It's just about inhabiting the place where we're curious about what that information is, rather than just becoming the frustration and assuming it's valid to express. Accountability minus frustration is still accountability. Hi, it's Joseph, and thanks for tuning in to Manage to Engage, the podcast from clearandopen.com. This is the finale of our Illusion of Frustration series, excerpts from a particularly powerful Clear and Open Leaders webcast. We're all over-identified with one thing or another, and in this segment, we look at how one can be over-identified with frustration. What if frustration was filling a hole inside you? What if you would become someone quite different if you let go of frustration? Are you willing to find out? This series is from a recent Leaders webcast that happens each week for members. For more information about the many benefits of clear and open membership and how to get the help you need in conversations like this, go to clearandopen.com. Thanks so much for listening. Let's dive in. Accountability minus frustration is still accountability. You know, it's it, it's not, we're not taking away any kind of mandate. You know, it's like the, the employee who's not performing is still going to get fired just as fast. It's just, they're not going to be made to feel existentially threatened in the process. You know, you can be frustrated an employee and say, you know, this is the fifth time this has happened this quarter. I don't know why I'm not getting through to you. You obviously don't care about your job. This has got to change. Or you could say, wow, we've talked about this a lot and I'm, I'm kind of at a loss as to how to help right now because it's been going on for a while and I, I, I just am not seeing what else I can do to help you. And unfortunately, if this continues, then eventually we're going to part ways. So do you have any ideas about what has to happen here? That's the same amount of accountability. That's the same consequence. I did that yesterday to what I think was actually success, like actually holding accountable, but not mm-hmm. freaking out. And it allowed me to um, help him see what his issue was. Coming into it even yesterday, he was like, Jamie, what's wrong? Like, what was going on with you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, And I was able to get him to see that and even to a point where I didn't know, I just thought it was arrogance, but he was able to walk himself through like the problem he was having was he's got all this work to do on doing homework and following through. And when he's working on that and you just even ask him how that's going, he immediately is pissed off because he's reminded he's in kindergarten, everyone else is in grad school and he shouldn't. And he does all this stuff and then he lashes out to everybody. Wow. And it just went a much different way. And I still felt like... I didn't caretake. Mm-hmm. I felt like I held them accountable, but it was totally different because I used to associate bigness and frustration and 
this whole physicality with uh, yeah. accountability. Yeah, right. That's what we're doing. We're disambiguating, delaminating frustration and accountability. That's exactly right. And it, it makes it, it puts the focus more on them because frustration automatically makes it about you. Unless you're using it, there, is, there are ways to use it. But I, I really think it's a last resort. You know, if you if you're thinking about using frustration, there are so many potential side effects with authority projections and scaring people. I wouldn't I wouldn't say something absolute like it never is appropriate, but I would just say it's really a last resort. I can think of two examples where I have used frustration as a catalyst to start the conversation. And mm-hmm. we're just friends and said this, you know, I think both times we said I'm you know, this I'm frustrated. And this is why, and it was just a conversation starter. I didn't, in the time, blow up on them. Yeah, now you, you were having frustration, not being frustrated. Yeah. Yeah. But, but leading up to the point where we had the conversation, then I, was, I think I was starting to, because it was probably a week or so each uh-huh. time that I, that I lived with it internally, and it was, you could feel it. Yeah. Either, either yeah, way sure. Out. Yeah, and, and, and sometimes that's how it has to go. You know, frustration is a teacher, just like any pain. So it needs to be listened to. Sometimes you'll be able to distinguish it. Okay, you get cut off in traffic and you're frustrated and you realize, oh, I think they shouldn't have done that. Boom, frustration disappears. But if there's some kind of pattern in your life that suddenly, you know, someone does something, you know, that you, someone you work with and it's frustrating you for like a week and you can't shake it and you, and you unpack it and you look at it, you may realize there's a pattern in there that's been going on for 18 months. Something that really ought to change. And it's just become visible to you. And that's why you're so frustrated because it's just getting more and more painful. You know, like a headache that you have all the time that's telling you that your posture needs to change or your diet needs to change or whatever. It's not that there isn't necessarily information in there. There might be. It's just about inhabiting the place where we're curious about what that information is rather than just becoming the frustration and assuming it's valid to express. It may have information. It may be useless. That's the thing about what the mind serves you. You never know. It may be brilliant. Maybe totally critical. Maybe bullshit. You just want to keep standing in a place where you're willing to find out, curious to find out. Who am I if I'm not frustrated? Who am I if I'm not frustrated? People over-identify with their problems. They, they've had problems for so long that they don't know who they are without them. I was talking to my parents recently and um, my father has a, a lot of symptoms consistent with a dairy allergy. And I have a dairy allergy. So it's reasonable to guess that he probably has a dairy allergy. So I bring this up with him every couple of years. And like about six months ago, I brought it up with him again because he had a new symptom. And I said, Dad, this is probably another symptom of a dairy, dairy allergy. Just try, experiment, take a month or two with no dairy whatsoever and see what happens. Right? I know that's uncomfortable. And then I told them a story of... I knew I had a client once who was going to get... Basically, his sinus cavity is like manually bored out because he was having so many sinus infections. And I, I said, we'll try not eating dairy. This was like a $20,000 elective surgery he was going to have. Guess what? Not eating dairy? Cleared it right up. It's not uncommon, right? So I told him this story and he was like, wow, that's compelling. All right, I'll give it a try. So I talked to him a few days ago and I said, oh, how's the dairy thing going? He's like, well, I've cut down on it a lot. (laughs) 
And I, I go, Dad, it's not about cutting it down. This is an allergy. And he's, he's deathly, literally allergic to nuts. You give him half a peanut and 10 minutes later, he'll, he's dead. Right. So I, I, knowing this, I seized on the analogy and I said, I said, would it be okay if you cut down your nut intake to just like a half a peanut a day? And my parents look at each other and go, well, dad's allergic to nuts. I go, can you not see the analogy here? You're allergic to dairy. Only zero dairy will give you the information you're after here. Cutting it down is a waste of time and energy. But he's so identified with dairy, he can't even think that way because he's been eating dairy his whole life. He wouldn't, be, he wouldn't know who he was without his bagel and cream cheese every morning. So he's like having less cream in his coffee or something like that. Like we we can laugh about it because it seems so silly. Like you gotta go, you have to get all of that out of your system to really do that. But he's looking through the lens of I'm someone who eats dairy. That's just who I am. I've always been like that. He's been eating dairy. He just turned 79, you know? And so he probably like if he were to stop eating dairy, it would radically change his diet. If he were to radically change his diet, it would probably change his habits. If it were to change his habits, it would change the structure of his life. If it would change the structure of his life, it might change the relationship with my mother. And so on and so on and so on. But he's so afraid of change, he doesn't want to get anywhere near any of that. The fact is, eating less dairy would probably bring him closer to who he actually is, which is what a part of him has no interest in discovering whatsoever. And that's why he doesn't change. And it's a hell of a lot easier just to complain about the symptoms. Gives you something to talk about. Something to complain about. That is so strange. <laughs> so true. Right? Like, I'll take the gastro uh, issues because I have something to talk about with my friends. Uh-huh. <laughs> and it is so true. Yeah. Your friends really want you to stop eating the dairy, though. And stop talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what would you all talk about if you didn't have, you know, health complaints and you know whatever? That's really a damn good question. Like, what? That's the that's the scary thing. What the hell would you talk about? I've, I've been around, especially you know, my East Coast Jewish upbringing. Like talking about uh, health complaints is like talking about sports for a lot of uh, the the culture that I come from. And I've been around many a Passover table as a kid, where I, I, I if you take if you were to subtract talking about health problems out of the conversation, I really think people would have nothing to say. Like there'd be nothing left. There's the food. Health conversations, what your kids are doing, where you, what professions you want them to have. You take away those things and there's nothing and it all goes away. And then there's the uncomfortable silence and, and void of like, well, what do we have in common? Uh-huh. Not much. And that's what nobody wants to look at. So it's much easier just to have a little eczema or, you know, extra mucus in your throat or rather, rather than facing, you know, the, um, the existential void that is in the chasm between you and who you thought were your closest family members with whom you actually have very little in common. Am I but, the only one squirming here? <laughs> <laughs> and, there, and then there's the question again. Do you really want to know what's real? It's all available to you. So you're willing to pay the price? How, how important is truth to you? That's really the only question. And are you willing to pay the price? I talk to my parents one or two times a year because I'm unwilling to pretend we have anything in common other than what we actually have in common. I would prefer 
to be closer with them. I would prefer to have a lot more in common, but we just don't. Took me years to come to terms with that. And it changed me in the process coming to terms with that. But it's real. It changed me radically coming to terms with that. And I'm more who I am because I no longer need them to be more like me. They're just who they are. And I'm who I am. And we have very little in common. I wish that weren't the case. I wish it were raining. I wish broccoli tasted like chocolate souffle. All the same. So if you feel this kind of eerie, maybe even near nauseous, too much space feeling right now, then you get exactly what I'm talking about. That's the void that happens when you start letting go of the false identifications we have in our life. It's not comfortable. But it's really interesting. Thanks for listening to Manage to Engage, the clear and open podcast. Join us next week when you'll be a little bit closer to who you're destined to be. Until then, know that Clear and Open is dedicated to the evolution of you because businesses grow when people do. Be sure to visit clearandopen.com for the latest tools, articles, and free resources to help you on your journey. Thanks for listening and bye for now.